Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Little. I'm here today with the 156th episode of Weekly Poker Hand. That sounds like three years. Three years is a long time. But I don't like to pat myself on the back too much, so we're just going to get right to another Poker Hand. Here, we are playing 15300 Again, this is from a $2,500 buy-in tournament. And we face a raise from a player in seat one. We don't know. He makes it 800 And then another player in the low jack seat calls. So pocket kings playing, well, as you can see, 30,000 versus the initial raiser and 15,000 versus a caller. I think we have a pretty easy re-raise. If you have watched the previous few episodes of Weekly Poker Hand, definitely check them out if you have not already. They were a lot of fun. Um, We have a very loose, aggressive image. We just, we simply must have a very loose, aggressive image given we've been splashing around quite a bit. So I'm definitely going to three bet this. I think you can make it 3,000 or so. That seems like a pretty nice sizing. And that is what I do. You typically want to make it about three times the initial raise minus a little bit when you're facing one player. So that would be about 2,400 minus a little bit. So call it 2,200 plus the amount that the caller puts in. So 2,200 plus 800 is going to be about 3,000. And that's going to be a little less than a pot size raise. That's typically what you're going to want to do when you are relatively deep stacked when you do want to re-raise. From out of position, you typically want to make it a little bit more than a pot size re-raise. So anyway, I make it 3,000. Alan Kessler folds small blind. Paul Volpe folds the big blind. Initial raiser calls. And the initial caller folds. So heads up. Playing 27,000 effective. We get a great flop. Comes king, 10, 9. And the opponent checks. So some people like to slow play. But I'm not a big fan of slow playing. Especially on boards where my opponent can have something. Notice if he has any king, he's never going to fold, and certainly could have hands like king-queen, king-jack, and maybe king-10 suited, maybe king-9 suited in his range. If he could easily have a hand like pocket-queens or pocket-jacks and not fold, he could also have a 10, like ace-10, queen-10, jack-10, 10-9. He could have hands like 9-8 and not fold. So basically, there's a lot of hands that he that he could easily have that will not fold. Notice if he has a hand like pocket-fives, he's just never putting money in the pot unless he improves to a set, and that's going to be very, very rarely. So there's not a whole lot of merit in slow playing versus those hands. Notice hands like ace-queen and ace-jack have a gut shot. And if I can... If the ace-queen and ace-jack will very rarely bluff if they do not improve to a hand that beats me, well, then I don't really want to give them that opportunity to beat me, right? And also, if our opponent does have ace-queen and the turn's a queen, it's not like he's going to lose any money. And if he has ace-queen and the turn's an ace, well, he's going to be on the hook for two bets. But even then, it's not like we're stacking the guy. So... I think we just want to bet here. And in this spot, I don't think we need to bet too big. Maybe 3,500 or so. Just about half pot. I do 3,000 and our opponent does call. Now, typically on boards that are somewhat coordinated and high, high card boards, you want to bet a little bit larger in general. So maybe I should have just bet larger with my whole range. But when you block a lot of the hands you're trying to normally get called by when you have a good hand, like say I had queen jack here, I would definitely bet bigger because then I don't block all the top pairs. Whereas with pocket kings... You make it much more difficult for your opponent to have a king, right? Because there's only one king remaining in the deck. That said, if your opponents are paying attention to your strategy, they will know that when you bet smaller in the spot, maybe something's going on. So you certainly don't want to introduce that into your game. So that's why I would probably have preferred a slightly larger bet, like 3,500 as opposed to 3,000, but whatever. I don't think very many people pick up on things like that. Maybe some people do, and if that's the case, then clearly um, altering your bet size is a gigantic error. Anyway, turn to seven. It's a great card for me. Jack eight is very unlikely. Eight six is very unlikely. 
So we are still very, very happy here. Our opponent checks, and I'm just going to bet again. At this point, we are trying to get called by a random 10, like jack 10 or queen 10, or maybe hand like pocket queens or jacks. So I don't think we need to bet too big here. I think we can go, I don't know, call it 5,000. Seems nice. And that is exactly what I do, and the opponent calls. Notice this sets up a river shove. Um, our opponent has 19,000, and the pot is 23,000 on the river. So if my opponent checks, I could certainly consider shoving on some boards, and I would shove some portion of the time, even when I could be against the obvious queen-jack straight, because our opponent could just be sitting here with 10-9 and never fold, or king-10 and never fold, or pocket-10s or pocket-9s never fold. So there are a lot of hands they can call an all-in on the river. Anyway, river's a queen. That is not the card we wanted. We really did not want a queen or a jack on the river. Every other card is great. An eight's not particularly good. But a queen and a jack are particularly bad because now any hand with a jack got there, right? So if he had king jack, he gets there. If he has jack 10, he gets there. If he had queen jack, well, we already were losing. If he had jack nine, he gets there. And hands like jack, well, you have to realize the hand with a jack is going to call a turn bet, right? Because on the turn, a jack is a double gut shot straight draw. So a queen is actually way worse for us than a jack would be. Because if our opponent had a hand like queen 10 on the turn, notice that is only a gut shot, right? And for that reason, the gut shots with a pair may actually fold on the turn, whereas the open-ended straight draws or the double gut shots on the turn are not going to fold. So uh, I guess an eight's also equally bad in that case then. So I guess we'd, we'd rather have a jack as opposed to a queen or an eight. So that's kind of cool. Um, eights are also, I guess an eight is not completely unlikely, but it is more unlikely that our opponent has an eight than he has a jack, right? Because if he has an eight, he's not going to call the flop very often unless it's 10-8 or 9-8. So there are fewer combinations of that. So anyway, here we are. We get a bad river. Our opponent leads into us for 10,000 into the 23,000 pot. We need to win about 23% of the time to justify calling. So do we win 23% of the time? I don't know. We have top set. <laughs> Whenever you have a hand like top set and you need to win something like 30% of the time or less, if your opponent just has any bluffs whatsoever, you should just strongly consider call, calling. Some people will just overvalue hands randomly, like maybe our opponent has a set of nines and he's playing it weird. Maybe he has a hand like 9-8 and decided to turn it into a bluff. I mean, people do weird stuff. And if you're folding this hand, this king, this uh, top set of kings, you have to understand here, you're folding essentially your entire range because on the flop, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be betting the flop and the turn with very many hands with a jack. If I had king jack or jack 10, I would certainly check behind on either the flop or the turn. Same thing goes for pocket jacks. So really the only hand I'm going bet, bet, bet with, or bet the flop and bet the turn with that has a jack is exactly queen jack. A queen just came on the river, so that kills some of those combinations. So I hate this spot, but I think we just have to call. I actually discuss situations like this in my upcoming book, Mastering Small Stakes No Limit Hold'em, where what you do whenever the obvious draw completes and your opponent leads into you. And there's really no good answer because your opponent, if he's not a very good player, he either has it every time or he never has it. And with no read, you just don't know. And it's important to understand that you don't know. This player knows what he's doing, right? He knows he's either leading here every time with the nuts or almost every time with nothing, or maybe he's balanced. And the thing is, is that if he either, if we don't know what he's doing or if he is balanced, 
meaning he has some bluffs in his range, then we have a really easy call, right? And the only time we can justify folding here is when you know this that this specific player never bluffs in this manner. And it's hard to actually know something in poker. A lot of people think they know things in poker. And I would venture to say that the vast majority of poker players make assumptions way too quickly. Like they'll see someone lead in the spot on the river one time and they'll show up with a jack for a straight. And then they'll see the player lead next time. And they're like, oh, this guy just always has a straight because he led in this spot last time. But you don't know that. Maybe your opponent's just good and balanced. Um, so anyway, I'm going to call here. I don't think I'm ever folding. If I had, I'm trying to think what's the worst hand I'm going to call with here. If I had king, queen, I'm probably calling. King 10, I'm probably calling as well. King 9, guess I'm calling. <laughs> okay, so what about queen 10? Am I calling queen 10? I think queen 10 is where it starts to get a little bit close. So somewhere in there is the cusp, I imagine. But this is a dicey spot. It's hard for our opponent to be bluffing. I'm really expecting to see more weird overvalues with stuff like queen 10 than I am just stone bluffs. Because really, there, there aren't very many stone bluffs besides hands with an 8, right? So that's going to be it for this episode. Well, I guess let's see if I called. Clearly, I know I'm calling here every time. And he has pocket jacks. So a hand that makes perfect sense, right? He raised preflop, just called our three bet. Check called with a gut shot on the flop. Check called the turn with the open end straight draw and a pair and then led when he got there. I mean, he, he played it about as face up as he could. And again, not knowing the player, I did not listen. That's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Thank you very much for being here. I don't know if we're going to go for another three years of Weekly Poker Hand, but uh, we'll probably be back with another one next week.